The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. Hello, and welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. We are here with the lovely and beautiful, the best people on all the cast, I would say. They're the <laughs> oh my most God, consistent. They're the ones <laughs> I see every week. They're my Geek Space Nine crew. I love them. I would never leave them. Even if our, our, uh, our feed is a little messed up, which I will comment on a little bit at the end, yeah, we'll get they to. are more consistent than I could ever hope for, and they are Peter Dancy. Hello. How are you, Peter? I am good. I'm just covered in glitter because since because since I work in retail, uh, I was working today on unfinishing, um, get, get, getting all of our getting all of our Christmas ornaments, which we have had by the way since early September in our stock room. So so I, so I was finishing helping uh, put putting the, putting them in the bins because our because our Christmas setup is going out tomorrow. Oh, so nice. yeah, so yeah, so my work shirt, like 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 the like the bottom front half of my work shirt and and my and my hands until I until I wash them like like uh, after I clocked out were just covered in glitter. So I'm just like, this is perfect. I need to go touch someone's face. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was glorious. Go find people uh, you uh, hate and bless them with glitter and say this will never leave you bless you my child (laughs) Uh, it's that time of year people pray for everyone who works in retail pray for them please pray for me all retail people clear eyes full hearts can't lose we believe yeah i I swear we're gonna have we're gonna have someone we're gonna have someone running in like just like like basically the day before like the next three big holidays halloween thanksgiving and christmas the day before and being like do you have this and we'll be like ma'am sir whoever we ran out of this like a month ago where have you been mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we also have the lovely the beautiful looking very pretty today sarah Becker. how she are you is. sarah hello everyone I am very well. Today, my belly dancing studio did a bit of a, a flash mob event at an art show, and so I actually wore makeup today, and uh-huh. usually when we record these podcasts, I am not wearing makeup, so <laughs> that hence the, the comments from my fellow cast members. I can confirm to all the ladies out there, Sarah looks gorgeous. She's quite the looker, so. y'all. Well, hey. We'll put her number down here. For all the cookies. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and my apologies to Jack. I didn't do the uh, quick intro thing, but I wanted to see how my friends are doing. I wanted to see how you guys were catching up. <laughs> I have to belt, so I had to catch up with them in the podcast. So you have to listen to my friend talk. Damn it, people! Yay! Well, today the Geek Space Nine crew are here on Movie Gang Podcast to discuss the latest film from Tim Burton. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children is the 18th film from director Tim Burton. And it doesn't based star on the novel. Johnny Depp. I'm sorry, I just have to say that. It does oh, not I, star Johnny Depp. Uh, let let me get into Helen that. Helen I wrote a whole Carter. piece, right? Peter. It's, it's coming. Here's the piece. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's all right. So this is based on the novel by Ransom Riggs, a uh, somewhat young adult novel. Though this is interestingly not a franchise. We'll talk about that. Uh, one thing of note, as many, including Peter, noticed before... Uh, is the cast, or namely who isn't in the cast, as in Johnny Depp or Helena Bonham Carter, do not appear. While besides maybe as the villainous Mr. Baron, there wasn't really a role for Depp I could see, one could easily see the gothy, neurotic confidence of Eva Green 
challenging of sorts, the same kind of performance that Helena Bonham Carter brought to so many Burton films. I felt she even mimicked her voice a little bit. Definitely, yeah, definitely. We'll, we will discuss this. But what I found interesting... I'm is sorry, I'll let you finish. It's all right. I, I'm trying a new thing, but we're maybe too casual, so maybe this doesn't work. <laughs> it's just what I'm learning. But it's all right. I'll keep going. What I found very interesting is it's not just these two that are missing. A lot of Burton collaborators aren't here. For example, we don't have usual screenwriter John August, nor production designer Rich Henricks. And perhaps most shocking of all is no Danny Elfman who has done the score for every single Burton film up until now, except for Ed Wood and Sweeney Todd. The latter of which I wouldn't even count because they mainly used uh, music from the original Sondheim production. So, in the last decade or so, Burton has received a lot of derision for his inability to break out of a certain mold, relying on his frequent collaborators to give him the same look, feel, tone, and as we mentioned, acting, that we'd seen so many times before. So I pose this question to you. Does the change-up in personnel reflect an actual change in style or mood for Miss Peregrine? And furthermore, do you think this film needed more or less of that Burton magic? I do do think that because of the subject subject matter, uh, there was was still a level of of Tim Burton quirkiness that, that, that that was necessary. And I, and I, and I do, and and I did, I did enjoy like, like as as I have as I have for most of his films, seeing that on screen. I I, th- I think for I think for me, I just I just appreciated, uh, I, I just appreciated uh, instead instead of seeing Johnny Depp as his as his as his main character, like 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 the focal point of his film, I got I got to enjoy Eva Green for two hours. Uh, more like twenty minutes. Okay, <laughs> I well, think the, is my this is yeah. fair. one of my problems for a film called Mrs. Peregrine. Yeah, there's very little Mrs. Peregrine. Okay, that's I fair point. Really love Eva Green, but she's so rarely in this film, and every time she's on screen, I like her a lot. I'm I'm curious about I you do guys, too. Yes, but I, I found her really enchanting. She is doing Hello to Bottom Carter thing, but I don't think it's really a mimicry as much as just channeling that same kind of very lovely manic energy that Helena could do in her best performances um, while also being very maternal and very interesting but the last third she's gone and she literally doesn't even get a line in the last third of the movie she's literally on a green screen for the final shot and it's very frustrating for me because I think Ozzy Butterfield is so stayed and wooden and not very interesting on screen in this performance and he's so much of what we see and i find everything involving him really frustrating would you agree with that i don't know if i if i would go so far as to say really frustrating but as a protagonist yeah i did find him to be a little lackluster and i mean as you said the film is titled miss peregrine's home right for peculiar children and so even if they didn't spend as much time on Eva Green, fine. But then you would expect, okay, well, then maybe we're going to talk more about these kids who have unusual powers. I think uh, before we actually recorded this podcast, we were comparing it to X-Men. But yeah. And uh, we, should, because... we should note that the writer, um, uh, Jane Goldman, has written two of the last X-Men films. So she's very much oh, in that sort of wheelhouse. Well, there we go. She wrote X-Men First Class and X-Men Days of Future Past. Yeah. Mm. But all of that to say, yes, he is the protagonist, but he I mean, he doesn't really do much. And I mean, his peculiarity 
is that he can see monsters, which is all well and good, and it's useful for them, but it's not really like, for lack of a better word, a superpower like everybody else seems to have. Yeah. And it's a very and specific like, one. It's like, really? That like, that's it? Yeah, it's only this one monster that didn't even exist like beforehand yeah so it's a very 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 Mm -hmm. specific this one monster that they end up uh spoiler alert defeating at the end so it's like his peculiarity isn't even worth anything it doesn't matter yeah Yeah, and presumably it wasn't one that existed before these these creatures came into existence and yes his grandfather had this power but what came first that power or um the monsters. the monsters, yeah, like, and and, and can and can we even classify it as like he can see these monsters specifically, or is it more of just he can see things that are invisible? Like, like I, I feel maybe that's true. Yeah, like I, I, I feel I feel that that that's what they should have called his peculiarity. So that so that way we could that way we could at least have an idea. Like, oh, it's going like oh, this could expand beyond just you know what's happening within what what's happening within the confines of this film. Oh, and that's a thing. And then if 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 they could have made him see like the the entrance to the loop or something, which right. I mean nobody can see those as such, even the peculiar children. Right. But if he'd be like, "Hey, there's a strange doorway here," the kids would be like, "We can't see that. That's interesting," right. or you know. And then yeah. they could have gone with the seeing invisible things thing. And much like an X Men film, this does have the balancing with all the other peculiar children of it's both beautiful and dangerous. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. X-Men always did that thing where it was like, Oh, look how beautiful it is that he can control fire or ice. But then like, Oh, he's got to freeze that guy eventually, you know, where his is just combat focus. <laughs> like yep. his yes. yep. skill is just to save the day. And there is, and again, like you said, Sarah, there could have been a beauty and like, he can see things no one else can see. He can, you know, see colors on the spectrum. Like he could see an infrared or beautiful things like that. Or, but it was like so driven to the plot where it had to be like okay he has to like not know he's he has to think he's ordinary so that way we get like the powers so if he saw things no one saw he would know for his whole life but that frustratingly keeps him in this hole where his only skill is defeating the bad guys <laughs> which is right very dull in a sense yeah it, versus it was it was very it was very bella swan a la twilight and in, in that and that, in that, that regard <laughs> yeah. to, 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 to bring a very yeah. to bring a very sad comparison i'm sorry but but that's going a bit far no no more more Aww, more more in the, more in the more in the sense more in the sense that the, I, I, and, I, and granted i only know, i only know the story because i went to go see the movies with a friend and we both laughed our asses at them not because i enjoyed them necessarily but i we thought that they were mm-hmm. fucking hilarious Anyway, I think I think part two is actually kind of good. Okay, no, part two is part two is good because of that five minute fight. It's, that it's fight so schlocky. That, it's so good. That fight made the series, and I was so pissed. So off to, good. I was I was so pissed off to to find out that's just a vision. I was I was like yeah. audibly upset in that theater, like loud upset. I knew I knew that's how that last book ended. I was so excited to see it end uh, terribly like that and i was like oh they, they uh, added my oh, god no. <laughs> but but um but 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 when but when, Be- when bella swan becomes a vampire she's able to do all of these things simply because her will is so strong and like and that's right. like the only reason why she's able to do that because she just has a strong will as a vampire and it and it and it's 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 a it's a it's a stretch ish comparison but it's kind of the same it's kind of the same with with, with also butterfield's character god what's his name um but, but like where where he where his power just jake. exists yeah jake thank you where his power just exists for this one purpose and that's it totally and all right so let me just jump the gun here for where i'm at with this film mm-hmm. which is i know that if i was still 14 I would love this movie. This 
is sort of made for we me at the time where I needed this sort of this thing that Tim Burton does very well, which is like I would call marketable weird. He yeah. makes weird films, but films that general audiences still will gravitate towards. They can still sell merchandise. They can still uh, drive an audience. Films about people with scissors for hands and skeletons that uh, kidnap Santa Claus probably shouldn't work. But they do, and they sell well, and they appeal to a certain kind of person, which I was, which is a little more outcast, a little bit gothy, but not, like, extreme. I wasn't actually going to punk clubs or being a like, crazy cool kid. I was still, like, a white kid in the suburbs. So, like, I needed my safe weirdness. And that's something that I think that Durton does very well. And so it's frustrating to me to see this in that, like, I think if you're that age, and you know, like, a kid who's that age, I think they would love this movie. But I can't deny, much in the same way, that I loved Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when I was 15 and now hate that movie. Yeah. I, now I'm talking about the Johnny Depp John, one. I, I okay. love the Gene Wilder one. And that's what happened. I thought the Gene Wilder one was smaltzy and stupid because I was an edgy kid. And then I rewatched it and I was like, oh, it's actually really good. There's the smaltz there, but also it's like a lot of good satire and dark humor and bitterness and the stuff I wanted. I was just stupid. Didn't notice. Um, we were young. We didn't know any better. Right. But I needed mm-hmm. that sort of like Marilyn Manson meets Willy Wonka thing that he was doing. But later I hate that movie now. And yes. yep. I can't deny that I see the problems in this movie, but I can also tend to deny that like for a certain age, it's great. And I don't know how to wrestle with that. And this is the sort of mm-hmm. thing we've talked about before with kids films, where it's like, I really hope a lot of teens can go see this movie. but And maybe it'll appeal to them in a certain way. But I also can't deny that maybe we're on the go, oh, that movie's kind of terrible. <laughs> is this going to... I I will not say that this is as good as the movie I'm about to compare it to because it isn't. But in a way, is this going to fall into the Monsters University lesson in that, you know, the protagonist has all these friends who are really cool, but in reality, his power, while useful at the moment, is actually kind of lame and then not useful after the fact, but it's okay and everyone still loves him and wants him to be around? I think unlike Monsters University, which I do agree later wasn't as subversive i don't think they actually noticed that i think it's more yeah. of a plot issue i would say do you feel like it's fair enough actually something they're trying to go for i don't know maybe maybe i want to read into that because that's the kind of movie i would have needed right as a child <laughs> for sure and i i think there is something interesting in the film in the way it's portraying like you said specialness and things like that but it does come across as just being like harry potter or like avatar where it doesn't really come well even not avatar because avatar kind of has an interesting thing with sokka though then i argue that sokka had the superpower of being a super genius but anyways the point is these films that are about people who have special abilities and other people who don't always kind of have this problem of ordinariness and they don't really have a good answer and i don't know if this Mm -hmm. film does either where he is you're right it is interesting that he's in this middle ground but it's almost like he's still so important to the plot that it, at least for this yeah. film it doesn't matter and like the question is so you're right maybe the more interesting film is the second film that will never get made because this film like purposely wraps everything up where it's like just mm. him on a boat figuring out what the hell he's gonna and, do and they with lit- his life. Yeah. literally sail off into the sunset more or less and he left his dad he just left his right? family yeah which, 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 poor chris o'dowd which, which, i know which, he's like a, not a great dad but still which which literary spoiler alert doesn't happen in the book in in the, in the in the book he in the book he tells his dad hey i'm going to go back in time and help them out i'll be back when the mission is done and, and we don't get that in the film he just talks to his grandpa and his grandpa's like go and he just leaves so 
Last time we saw Chris O'Dowd, he was chasing him into a cave. He right? probably thinks he's dead in and there somewhere. And that's the end of it. Like, 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 like his his dad did not hear anything from his son, and, and not hear anything from his son, probably probably until he like just shows up at home, grabs his bike, and rides off to his grandpa's house. And he and, and he's probably back at home screaming like, "What the fuck!" <laughs> like, like half mourning, half celebrating, but also like very pissed off. Did it also weird anybody out that we have two English actors, Chris O'Dowd and Ozzy Butterfield, with American accents, even though their dad is English? Like, mm. I, I don't know. Maybe well, me, but, but that that happens sometimes, a la um, John Barrowman, where his parents are very Scottish, and when he you, there's like video recordings of him speaking to them on Skype, and when he talks to his parents, he's very very Scottish. Now I realize Ozzy Butterfield talked to his grandpa abe and still sounded american but if you listen to john barrowman speak normally he has a regular old american accent this is true and uh um, maybe I just really wanted so chris guess, O'Dowd to yeah. talk in his normal accent because his american accent was weird to me i agree yeah. no i uh, i'm 100 percent behind you i need him to be irish or northern irish or wherever he's from i feel bad <laughs> that i don't remember because i watched uh moon boy and it was great um, Moon boy is really good I don't heard that yes as well. So what are we um, th- anyway, the point being, if they were raised in America, it does actually make sense for them to have American accents. It's just sad for Chris O'Dowd to not have a, a British Isles accent. To, to talk a little more about Burton, one thing that's really frustrating to me is so many of his films, you know, I can only think of one other one, but it just feels like a trend, and so I can't deny that maybe it's another hmm. trend. But... At the very least, what ruined Alice in Wonderland, which was already having problems for me, but just completely ruined it, was by the end we had to have a giant battle. And you make a good point, Peter. I've heard from other people that the book ending, particularly last third, is nothing like this book, this film's ending. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no giant battle sequence in the book. Right. And we keep feeling like we have to go back to these battle sequences, which can be interesting, but also can be just so tedious and long and drawn out. And when it's just CGI skeletons fighting... CGI monsters, which by the way, one quick thing. I loved, loved, loved when the character, whose name I forget, who reanimates uh, dead things, which is also Enoch. like Enoch, awesomely yeah. cool. Enoch, yeah. Which is like, again, a great Tim Burton thing. Like, only Tim Burton would be allowed to make a film where a film for kids, a essentially. A kid. A kid puts hearts into dead things and then reanimates them. In like the most and makes them kill each other. Yeah. The, <laughs> the second way. the second Jake walked into that room and I saw Enoch sitting at that table, I was like, "Oh, you're the weird ass creepy kid." Shit. <laughs> like the second yeah. like the second he walked in, I saw those jars. I was like, "We're about to see some fucked up shit in a kids' film, guys." <laughs> there was, and that's the thing about Tim Burton. I think he's the only guy who can get away with, you know, hey, I'm making a kids' film where Samuel Jackson's gonna eat a whole big bowl of eyeballs. Just like straight up eats that them. Too. And that compared with too. what we were talking about with BFG earlier, which is so like toothless, it's like crazy that he can get away with this. But it's sort of great at the same time. I don't know. Do you feel like it was almost too violent? Because it's intense sometimes. I mean, I'm going to say no. Maybe it's just because I'm 25 and it doesn't phase me like right. it, Or fantasy violence it's just doesn't of phase as a kid. me. Yeah. 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 Probably as a kid, you know, big, eyeless, slender man creatures oh, eating a plate man. of eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, that would have freaked me out a lot. 
Now I'm just like, eh, whatever. I can tell that it's animated because the CGI isn't that great. And plus, I've seen, um. plus, we've seen much worse. <laughs> so can yes. we give it up for uh, for Judy Dench for showing up just to get Deep Blue Seed to quote a Samuel oh Jackson movie God. where she gets <laughs> she tells her whole thing and then just gets killed in the middle of her speech. Yeah, she, never. She, the, the second she stood, she, the second she stood around, she, she she stood in front of that door and turned around. I was like, she's dead. She's gone. She's not going to last another thirty seconds. It was pretty. Great. And you were right. Yeah. <laughs> I was so well, upset to watch these... Jane, to watch Dame Judy Dench die. I know, right? She's so part of our childhood. Right, though? Such a part mm. of any, like, British cinephile, Anglophile person's just like, uh, every time you see Judy Dench on screen, you just, like, want to melt. I'm just like, oh, tell me all the phone book. Like, she was, she was M. She was fucking M. I know. Yeah. And her death scene in <laughs> Skyfall, spoiler alert for an old movie, uh, is is so memorable. <laughs> she oh my just God. gets murdered right away, which I kind of love. Oh, my God. She's... Um, but, but why do you think Tim Burton feels the need to keep going back to such a, like, these super violent tendencies? Mm. These violent third acts and these intense things. Like, he had scary imagery before and, like, stuff like Beetlejuice, but it wasn't, didn't end in a giant battle. Is this just more of a product of Burton, or do you think it's more of a product of just, like, Hollywood now? I think it's... A- I would, I would suggest it's a Hollywood Agreed. thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems to be what you know, the general young adult publics is looking for nowadays, at least in, you know, things that aren't just a straight up comedy or straight up, you know, romance, stuff like that. If it's meant to be a bit sort of action adventure, thriller, horror thing, they're yeah. going to be looking for a big third act fight scene. No, it, and not just young adult things, I guess, but most... most. Big budget Hollywood things these days seem to end that way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, right. I mean, even, I mean, even when, even when we were talking about adaptation, we 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 get we get the, we get the car chase in the, in the third act, like which, <laughs> like, like like, which is consciously like you know, like talking about the theme, yeah, yeah for something like that for a movie like that and to get to get to get like a like more or less like a fight scene of sorts in a third act, it's like yep, this is kind of just a Hollywood thing at this point. It's just crazy that it's in it's now in kids movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. the part that's weird to me. It's like we can't just go to Wonderland and explore the fun characters and watch Tim Burton's take on it, which is always, you know, I, I think the production design in Alice in Wonderland is very pretty. Um, but we got to end up with a giant battle and it's got to be the prophecy and got to be the chosen one. Right. Blah, blah, blah. It's like I think first I think there's always those films that are so great those books too that are so great and meaningful but also kind of ruin everything and i wonder if harry potter kind of ruined everything <laughs> which is like oh we can have wonderful whimsy and fantasy and violence you know and not that harry potter didn't do it well i think it did do it well but it's this thing where it's like i just i see this book now and i'm like you gotta have the big harry potter fighting the bad guys voldemort's at the end yeah kind of kind of kind of in the same way with with, with how the anime uh, neon genesis evangelion was 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 like in a sense making was in a sense making fun of, of of Japanese anime tropes, and then though and 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 then and then it making fun and then it it making fun of the of those tropes became the norm, and so kind of in line with that. No, for sure, everything had to be giant people fighting giant monsters. Yep, mm-hmm. this is true. Well, what did you think of the actual kids themselves? Was there anything that sort of you gravitated towards or found interesting? Well, I like them. I thought the the kids all did a a good job acting. 
I mean, I, I don't yeah. think I'd heard of any of them before. I mean, as Asa Butterfield's name rings a bell, who's probably... I'm, I'm, but I'm not really speaking about him. I'm speaking of the kids who lived in Miss Peregrine's home and so forth. Right. Uh, I really like the kid who had the projector eye. He has such yeah. a distinctive yeah. face. I want to see him continue to act. And he had I, style. <laughs> that kid, like, such dude, style. He knew how to dress like a motherfucker. And I was like, damn it! I wish I, had, I wish I had your class. Yeah, he. I thought his thing was he was going to be like an older man in like a kid body. Yeah, yeah because like, he like looks like. Right, because he does such like you're right distinctive features, and that he looks very. Ad- adult and like a small person which is very fascinating about him yeah so you're right when mm-hmm. it turns like oh he's like got dream machine i was like oh what okay like, okay i did like the joke where it's like which i always wondered in x-men which they did here which i appreciate it which is like at one point when he's fighting mr baron he comes up with this everyone has to have the x-men moment where their powers save the day so he comes up shines his prophetic dream machine into mr baron's eye and he's like um yeah no no it's just like that <laughs> There's got to be one X-Men whose powers are like fun, but just don't they can't fight Magneto with them, you know? There's got to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They all are villain. Unfor- unfortunately, unfortunately we get we get that X-Men in Jubilee. Right? Like she, she she can definitely fight. She can definitely fight and and we all love her. She's a great she's great fun to have around, but when you put her up against Magneto, it's kind of like, "I'm sorry, honey, but you need to go sit down." <laughs> <laughs> like you just sit this one out. You, you will be you will be part of the distraction, but after that, you need to immediately get the fuck out of Dodge because we love you enough to not want you to die. I definitely agree, Sarah. The other, all all the actors were really good. And, yeah. And again, Colleen Atwood, which I'm glad he's kept around. Uh, she's done the costumes for most of his film. Just incredible work again. Oh my God, yeah. All the kids have such a distinctive, very wonderful look, and the sequence where they're raising the ship that's the kind of like majesty and mystery and stuff that i wanted to see more of in this mm-hmm. film versus just as much as i enjoy samuel jackson uh monologuing <laughs> being a ham uh it, it it gets tedious when it, it does just become an x-men film by the end you know what i mean right what do you think of uh, i also really samuel jackson oh, go ahead oh, sorry you go ahead well, I was, I was just yeah, really quickly. I also liked the twins who uh, who could petrify things. Like I was waiting for them to take off their masks. Like they can do something really cool and yeah, scary. That was, that was but I don't surprise. know what it is. Yet. That was that was a nice surprise. And like you, like they take off their masks, you see their face, you're just like, oh, your Gorgon's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was neat. And they had good, they had a good little visual design. Like you said, it's one of those things that every X Men movie does. That this one does too, where it's like, all right. See that power. See him use that power, mm-hmm. man. You got to do it. It's been hidden long enough. Time to, time to let the cat out of the bag. I also joke that this is the movie that tells the heartwarming story of how someone learns how to use a crossbow properly. <laughs> that seems to be one of the biggest narrative arcs <laughs> for House of Unfield's character. You, Jake, are a very bad shot with that thing. Yes. I quite enjoyed Samuel Jackson. I could definitely see uh, that he's too over the top. But, I don't know, he, he injected some life even for sort of the lifeless action at the end for me. Was he too much for you guys? I don't think so. I mean, nah. yes, I, I agree he was over the top, but I think it worked. Right. For, for, like, this, for this, this, movie, for this movie, for all of the, you know, supernatural powers and things, it wasn't really whimsical enough for me. Totally. For, for the, you know advertised subject matter but samuel L. jackson fixed that yeah like, like, there, like, there were definitely moments that were whimsical but not as a whole you had to take like certain parts mm-hmm. of the film and be like okay that right there this right here 
Yeah, that's what's just so frustrating for me is I think there's a lot of stuff that I like. There's a there's a Doctor Who-ish element, which is very interesting, mm-hmm. where she's in a time loop, but their bomb is about to blow up every day right before this bomb blows up their house. So every day right before it falls, they bring it back, which is, I think, such a really cool, visually interesting design. And that whole sequence is just pure Tim Burton. That's when, like, those oh, yeah. elements get in there that I love, where it's, like, people in gas masks and weird costumes mm-hmm. doing this cool time traveling but there's like a beauty and a mystery to that macabre sort of look and feel to it and you're right and i think that the biggest problem is whenever Miss peregrine leaves i just the, the whimsy for me <laughs> goes away she adds like a lot to it i think she's so the heart of the movie and she's so rarely in it yeah i agree <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, cause, because because like I, I would make like the, like this. I, I I remember I remember I don't I don't know if you guys ever watched it. Um, but it, it was a, it was a show that was on Cartoon Network. Uh, like like, se- like several years ago called Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Yes. Yes. Where 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 the where the owner the owner the owner of this of, of this home which which what which was which was which was honestly a foster home for imaginary friends. Yes, it yes it was it was it was run by this old crotchety hilarious woman, but 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 and and and, and no she was not always there. But 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 at the same time, the, at the same time the, the the characters that the characters that you were introduced to over the course of the show, they were all whimsy and quirky and weird enough in their own right to be able to carry it that didn't necessarily translate to this film yes yes the peculiar children they were fun but eva green as miss peregrine just put so much magic and in, and in, 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 into this film whenever she was on screen that it's like when she like 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 you said ben when she when she turned into her bird and she was carried off in a cage it's like well there goes the life and now, and now it's all about fighting mm-hmm yeah, and it's it's just something I've just been frustrated with with Tim Burton lately. It's like I, I think the whimsy and the talent is there, and I don't think it's the Johnny Depp and the Helen Bottom Carter and the Danny Elfman. In fact, I, I miss Danny Elfman in this movie. I, I don't know about you, Sarah. I did too, yeah. very much. That score during the fight in the carnival, I thought was terrible. I honestly don't even that remember what the weird electronic part. Do you remember that? I honestly don't even remember what it sounded uh, like. I don't, uh, but that right there is enough to mean it wasn't great. Yeah, it, there's this this very weird choice where they, I, I guess they were trying to go for like modern day carnival music, but it literally sounded like demo EDM music. It was weird. Mm. Oh, and was yeah. Okay, so, like, now now I remember, now I remember what you were talking about. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if that was supposed to be like part, like part of the score, if that was supposed to be like like some, like some kind of diegetic, non diegetic type like type music shit where where it, it was just the music that was playing in the carnival carnival overall, and they just they, and they right? just didn't change the music and what you were hearing. Yeah, it was strange. It was strange. And, and and so as much as like yeah, a lot of Danny Elfman scores sound alike. Yeah, a lot of Tim Burton movies look alike. I don't mind that. I don't mind that Wes Anderson movies look alike because he tells interesting stories and he mm-hmm. uses that aesthetic properly. And yeah. I just I find it very frustrating over and over again that Tim Burton has these people who are good people, who are talented people, and it's just a mess in terms of the tone and it's just frustrating me over and over again that this keeps happening and I wanted to like this film I really did and I liked a lot of parts of it in fact I hated the first like 20 minutes and then I was shocked when like I got to the actual home for people to chill I'm like okay here we go let's go and yeah. as soon as she leaves again I hated it again so I was just like this. <laughs> I had the chunk I had it 
Yeah, yeah, they they could they could have shortened that intro sequence, and we and we get we could have gotten like like the same impact of like of, of like he like he's living this normal life and he feels alone. Oh, grandpa's dead. Peculiar children now. Like if we like, right. that, that could have been yeah like, that could have been a little a little shortened. It would and we, it would have What's been more particularly like weird? Like it it really. Or they could have even they could have even done something like almost started at the home for peculiar children and then done the death and flashbacks people or have them all be like why are you here and then have a shortened version oh, yeah. of asa butterfield finding his grandfather mm. with totally. you know no eyes and the slenderman slenderman <laughs> it, yeah they look like him okay it was they are no. they are slenderman no i, I agree they yeah, are slenderman. I, I wasn't thinking that w- when i was watching the movie but the second you said that sarah I was like yep okay i agree now now i need to find seven notes in a dark in a dark in a dark forest and survive <laughs> yeah they're they're tall tentacly dudes with suits on i mean what do you they're slenderman he's right come out of their yeah. mouths <laughs> they're yeah. totally slenderman all right well, is there anything else to say for uh, for Miss Peregrines, or can we go into scores? Uh, I guess I'll just finish up with saying, for me, the biggest issue I had with it was the plot holes, or a plot that wasn't as developed as it should have been. Personally, I found the time travel thing really hard to follow. I imagine it, that it may have been better explained in the book. It didn't make sense at the end. I'm sorry to go. Yeah. Oh, when, yeah. oh, when, when he when he was, was going through all of the time loops to get to get back, that I thought was actually mm-hmm. sweet and just like again so rush like that's really interesting like a really interesting idea. But I was more talking about like they keep saying oh we can't leave because we'll age and we'll die, and then the loop closes and they're like oh we're just gonna age normally. I was like but, but, yeah, yeah but, I but, I, maybe, I didn't maybe, get yeah I mean I mean maybe 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 it's because maybe it's because they were talking about like, like if if they went to. Uh, when when they went to go get Jake, uh, in, in in like in like our current time, they they, they had left their they left their own personal loop to go to the future. I think they were more I think they were more talking about like like, like if they stayed in 2016, then they would have aged, then they would have died. But 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 in the end, because they went back through, um, the the the, car, the carnival loop. No, they're still in 1943. To, yeah, to their time. Mm, I think they're like back. Oh, they went through another loop back. To, yeah, so it, yeah it's, it's, like, it's weird. It's the Doctor Who logic. Yeah, basically, it's yeah. A, basically it's a clusterfuck. No, and I, I totally agree, Sarah. It's like the, the the time travel stuff has these beautiful ideas, and I think there's some really good ideas. I think the idea of your grandfather calling you that he calls every day the same call, and one time you happen to be on the phone and he's dead. Like that's really cool. Yeah, that's a really yeah. cool image. That or was the a great idea moment. of a, a very romantic image. A very of uh, I went to every single place where I knew there was a time travel spot to get a little bit closer to you. That's really beautiful and really cool. And, and they're like, just like... And, the, and they've just rushed through it. Yeah. It's just like, none mm. of the emotional beats are really interesting that I can see probably why the book appeals to people because maybe I'm guessing the book stuff. I don't know if this is Goldman stuff or, from the book. I could see that appealing to people because that is really interesting and clever and it's that kind of like dark materials, sci-fi stuff that kind of gets to me. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, where's the emotional heart of this movie? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's another sort of Tim Burton aspect that I felt was missing from this film. I mean, far be it from me to say that Tim Burton has to do exactly the same goddamn thing every time he makes a movie. <laughs> and clearly, a lot but of people are tired. But that being said, yeah. it has worked for him yes, it has. for exactly. the last what twenty plus years that he's been, you know, making movies. And um, one of the things he is really good at most of the time is that emotional gut punch. And uh, 
this film really didn't have that with the exception of you know the grandfather but even then he's alive at the end so really right right was it really it's a like gut punch? You, you got your gut punch but now we're gonna give you aspirin to make it better <laughs> instead fine. of letting you suffer Right, and you don't you don't know him long enough to like feel too bad for him, other than he's very um, true. Uh, uh, Terrence Stamp, who I just loves a person, but like, and then, yeah, he comes back right away at the end, so it doesn't have emotional impact than that either. It is that mm-hmm. thing of like, I go back to Doctor Who, but Doctor Who's very good at using time travel for gut punches. It's it, time mm-hmm. travel is a gut punch because yep. time is change yep. and change is tragedy, and uh, when when you rush through those ideas and don't give them time to breathe it's frustrating and you're right he's very good at that big fish makes me cry every damn time oh I've ever seen so it. hard <laughs> oh my god i know that oh. movie's like a little bit too cheesy for some good but i don't care like i will just like when i'm ready to just have a good old weep put on that movie mm-hmm. makes good get pour some wine and just cry your heart out oh that yeah it's gonna hit you mm-hmm. and so you're right he, he does do these really interesting emotional beats but it's just it's just not here and it hasn't been lately and it's it's frustrating. All right, are we ready to score this bad boy? Ready. Yes. All right, Sarah, what do you give Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children? This title's too long. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, I give it a five. I thought the cast was well chosen, and they did a good job. Um, I think there were some plot hole issues that could have been dealt with if the movie was a bit longer or had been reworked in terms of editing. Eva Green was not in this movie enough, um, but Samuel L. Jackson was great. And um, yeah, I wanted a bit more emotion, didn't get it. Some right. of the I loved I loved the CGI fight scene with the Slenderman and the skeletons. Like I know it wasn't oh. great animation, but it was, it fun. was fun. This is the part I thought would have been interesting i don't know if it could have been done but i did think it was very interesting that when um I keep forgetting his name guy who reanimates people jake no the the creepy no, guy it? creepy guy reanimates people oh enoch oh enoch, enoch yes when, when enoch reanimated the uh puppets they were stop motion which i thought was really cool oh they had stop cool. motion puppets because it had a little bit like of a jankly creepier vibe and i thought it'd been really cool if it was stop motion skeletons a la Ray Harryhausen versus CGI monsters. That's all. I thought it would have been kind of neat if all of his reanimated people and stop motion instead of CGI. That just would have been cool. So, that's all. That would have been cool, yeah. But it probably would have been impossible to... They'd probably, he, he may have wanted to do that, and then they were like, yeah, it's going to take like 90 days, and we're not going to do that. And he was so, like, damn. <laughs> so, fair enough. But anyways, this is something I would have liked. So, Peter, what do you rate Miss Peregrine? I will also give Miss Peregrine a five, much like Sarah. And actually, and actually, she kind of already pointed out my reasons for reasonings for give for for, uh, for for giving it a five. Um, not not there was there was really it really wasn't enough enough uh, Eva Green for, uh, with with as with, with as much as she was in like like the trailers and the commercials and and how, and how much how much uh, advertising was 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 like centered around her and her and and her and her relationship her relationship. Uh, with 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 Jake and and yet and yet we didn't see that much of it. I and and then and it it just didn't feel whimsy enough and it was kind of busy at, at times and I and and as musically speaking I I missed Danny Elfman I I really did I 
I, I was I was looking for that musical gut punch when it, whenever like really emotional shit was happening and I just didn't feel it. Like I I I I, I honestly yeah. could I honestly can't even hum any melody from the score to you. I cannot and I and I nope. saw this movie yesterday. Mm-hmm. I can't remember a, a damn and, thing. Mm-hmm. And the the music wasn't whimsical enough either. Like I know I've I've said yeah. my bit already about this, oh, but no, back fine. on the music for just a second. Um I, uh, Danny Elfman, one of his sort of a thing he uses over and over again is this sort of high ethereal choral yeah, bit that, that adds. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. It just adds so much like mystery and, you know, that twinge of sadness. And, you know, I keep using whimsy, but it's, it's true. true. That's what I love about Tim mm-hmm. Burton films in general is they're just so whimsical. And uh, it was not there. It really wasn't. In this movie. No, I totally agree. It almost reminded me of a, a Marvel um, score where it was like more to fill in the space than. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's a, that's something we're uh, definitely gonna have, have to come theme. back to and talk about when, when we see uh, Doctor Strange for sure. Michael Giacchino, man, I'm, you're my favorite. What, Mike, you're my favorite what, Mike, composer right what, now. What, Michael Giacchino. Yeah, love him. Love I'm trusting you, man. Michael Giacchino. Him and Bear McCreary, like, tell me, mm-hmm. I'm trusting you, man. The, I'm trusting. Yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> this, 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 like the the first the first time I saw The Incredibles, like I I, I I I immediately went to find out who the composer was. I think he is great. Oh yeah, the upscore. Is and I really like what he heard. did for. Um, at least uh, the the first Star Trek reboot film. I love the way he incorporated the original yes. theme, but also made a completely memorable yet also thematically appropriate new theme to go with the new generation. I, he did it love, really, really well. Which I love. Which why he's going to be so, Oh yeah, he's going to be so perfect for Star Wars. Like I think they're kind of prepping him to take over for John Williams. Like we, not that mm-hmm. I want to talk about that, but you know. Nope. Uh, eventually John Williams uh, will not be doing Star Wars movies and I think Michael Giacchino will be the one and it's kind of perfect for that kind of nostalgic like recontextualization I think he's so the only person I would be okay with replacing John Williams because totally. I have seen that he can do that work with an original theme mm-hmm. and create a new theme yep. that goes with it and it's still good yep. 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 <laughs> well that's our episode of Talking Composers no wait um uh, <laughs> So Sarah gave it a five. Peter gave it a five. Emotionally, I'm, I might just... I saw it today, and I had that like sort of problem where like I liked it kind of at the moment because I had that whimsy, and then the more I thought about it, the more it made me mad because so I'm trying not to have the anger thing. So <laughs> angry me wants to give it a four, but I think sensible, rational me will give it a five. Um, it well, that is makes the math very easy. Yeah, I mean, granted, maybe irrational me also doesn't want to do math. So <laughs> let's be fair. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, but I, I just know this is like perfectly middle of the road, which is what is so frustrating, I guess. And that's why I want to like almost dock it more points because it's like I've seen Burton do this before better. And I think he can. I, I want the, the, the gothy nerd in me that kind of loves this movie that also knows it's bad wants there to be these kind of movies for people because, he, like I said, he's one of the few directors who Hollywood still allows to be, like I said, it's corporate weird. I'm not saying he's, you know, Stamp Brackage or anything like that. He's 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 still corporate weird, but he's a weird enough and unique enough and clever enough and different enough mm-hmm. doing these big movies that they are memorable. That's what makes Batman eighty nine so fascinating. He's doing this big Hollywood movie and it's very memorable for his sort of style. And he's done it before with a lot of other films. And I think just recently he's just kinda stuck in this rut and now that he's 
done it without like his collaborators, I actually miss his collaborators even more. I wish there was a Danny Elfman or even, well, maybe not Helen or Johnny, actually, because I like Eva Green so much. I'm just kind of tired of Johnny Depp, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah, Eva Green, I, I wouldn't be sad if, if Eva Green became the new Helena Bonham Carter she in might. Tim Burton's she might. films. I'm all yeah, for it. She might. And so it's just frustrating to me that, that Burton can do better. So, But just as a film, I know it's just painfully middle of the road. That's why it's a mm-hmm. five for me. And that's why it's a five for us, which is what we give Miss Peregrine a five. All right. So last week, uh, well, we'll get to last week. But first, this week, we have Bets. So opening this week is a film that I know excited may not be the right word very fascinated interested about as much as you can for a film about such a dark subject matter birth of a nation is coming about very controversial in many respects uh this one was sort of tapped to be uh best picture lock way back when but because of the nate parker uh nate parker sex allegations we won't go into too much we won't go into detail here uh i feel like the film has lost a lot of its marketing uh, even though it's going to have a big O wide open release but maybe that pre-hype maybe just the interest in the story maybe that'll mean people will come out in droves because it is opening wide it is the big release next week opening um, alongside the girl on the train which is a big splashy um, Gone Girl-esque thriller yes. so you know, not direct competition but so the question is will the lack of advertising and the scandal keep people at bay or are people still interested and how it's going to open. So in comparison, uh, I have 12 Years a Slave, which also was uh, primed to be Best Picture and won Best Picture. So had that kind of buzz going into it. Also opened in October. Also is a slavery movie that's very intense. And uh, it opened on a thousand less screens. So remember that. Wow. Then Birth of a Nation to wide release of 6.6 million. Oh. The question is, what will be the opening weekend for Birth of a Nation? Oh. You can PM me your guesses. There's my res- there's my answer to you, Ben. Uh, Peter, we're deadlocked. Are we really? Peter and I both said mm-hmm. dead mi- ten minutes. Are we? Do we really? Yeah. Oh wow. And Sarah came a little bit under with eight million. So this will be a close one, but I think we're we're probably right. It's going to be in that ballpark so we'll open up to other people i will say now that i think about it i don't know that i've actually seen a trailer for birth of a nation right like, i, I know it's coming much. out yeah i've i only i uh, i've seen like posters but that's better yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a kind of a flop yeah i've, like, I've, o- I've only marketing. seen a couple of trailers i've only seen a couple of trailers for it and that was like a few months ago when, when i when i first when i first brought it up to you all as far as like commercials on tv I mean, I mean, I mean, gra- I mean. Grant, granted, this could be this could be both in part because 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 of because of uh, because of the allegations against the direct the director. It could be it could be because of the subject content, and they and they may not, and, and and different networks may not exactly want to may not exactly want to put that on TV. But yeah, I haven't even seen commercials on TV for it. Like none. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Exactly. But I've seen Buku for Girl on the Train. So right. Damn. Right. Girl on Train will definitely be number one. I'm not not gonna be shocked oh, yeah, by that. No, no, but it's more just no like yeah, that. right. But just you know, in in comparison, as you right. say, totally. And I think it's a more interesting one than Girl on the Train because it can go a lot of ways. I feel like because it should have been this like 
Oscar Buzzy thing, which is like where they opened decently wide, you know, like it probably should have opened like 13, 14 million and they just kept making money from all the buzz it was getting, you know, uh-huh. sort of the, mm-hmm. the Oscar move. But like, I feel like 20th Century Fox just because of the allegations, they just don't want to touch it. Yeah, they're now on the hush. Want to come out and move on. Yeah. So we will see. We will see. Now, last week, we bet on the opening weekend of Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. And it is currently expected to open to about 28.5 million, which means the closest on the cast today is Peter with 35 million. (laughs) (laughs) So, before I give it to Peter, just real quick, I have to plug something on our Geek Space 9, which is that I just want to let anyone know if anyone listens to this podcast and doesn't listen to Geek Space 9, you may notice that we've not been updating the feed. This is due to a complication with our uh, current provider. Uh, we're going to be switching providers to a different one. And the news for that is um, I'm going to say this on the air so that I'll have to live up to it. The feed will premiere in November and we'll have the entire first season of Deep Space Nine episodes. Yeah. So that will be sort of our apology <laughs> in terms of the f- troublesome pledge. But we will be putting the entire first season up and we'll be you know, plugging that more. You can check out the older episodes if you want still on the feed. But... Uh, if you are following along, we're interested in following along, and we're wondering why they've been updated in a while. We are still listening. We're probably going to record tomorrow a new episode. We have plenty of episodes in the can. It's just our podcast problems, so we're going to fix those soon. Anyway, that's it, Peter. And and the- once we've oh. once we've solidified um, where we're posting all of our episodes, I will also um, get the Facebook page up and running because yes. I made it. And then I wasn't sure where to post the episodes from, and now apparently that is changing. So it's just sort of sitting in the ether of right. non-active Facebook pages. Yeah, we're just we're gonna do a whole push. Once My it all apologies. Comes out. Yeah, we're just it's fine. Yeah, Geek Space Nine is just kind of floating in space, literally. <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> but I want everyone to know that we have not abandoned the project. We're all still 100% on board. It's just technical issues that we're gonna fix soon. All right, Peter, please close out the cast. Okay, so, uh, rant. Oh, as, uh, as, as, as I uh, told y'all last night on, on our Facebook message, I finally saw 2001 A Space Odyssey. It was, okay, and I both enjoyed it, as, as you all know, and I had my issues with it, which, you, which, which, which the two of you know. And I, and, and, and I, and I understand, that I understand the, the arguments against my issues. That's just, this is just me personally. But, uh, but, but, uh, but, but to our listeners, in case you don't know, and and, and granted, I'm not even going to try to describe this describe this plot to you. Um, 2001: A Space Odyssey is a movie that came out in, I believe, 1968. It's a super, su- thank you. It's a super, super, super fucking iconic sci-fi film that like you need to see. Like, like there, like there, there are there are so many things from this film that 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 have been taken and used in like various genres like not like not like not just science fiction from like from like filming techniques to dialogue to to, to like to like to the to the class the classical pieces that, that were they're using this film that you now hear fucking everywhere um like there is so much about this movie that, that there's so much about this movie to, to like to like enjoy and love and just be like totally like tripped out and like fall in love with you need you need to see it my issue with it and this is just personal thing this is not against anyone who like not against anyone who enjoys those parts as Ben I know you do. There were certain parts. I'm sorry. There were there were certain parts in the I'm film. Listening. There there were certain parts in the film that, that that while I that while I found them super interesting, 
for me personally, they just went on like ten minutes too long. And I understand, and I and I and I and I understand that 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 it, that, it, that um, at least with my basic knowledge of the film, I, I don't I have like a deep analysis of it yet. Um, it was it, it was to it was to go along with the mystery of the film, the mystery of space, and and and, and go and go and go and go along with the with the plot of the film. Ben, we can talk about this afterwards, so we can so you so you can like so you can like break down everything for me. Um, but yes, Hall, like. H- 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 there's an app. Yeah, there's an app, and I love it. Um, all, I, any reference that you any, any reference that that you that you've seen to a red computer eye across across ver- across various films and TV shows, that's where that 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 this movie is where that comes from. Basically, go see it because you kind of need to and love it. Anyway, so with that said. Uh, we uh, we we are we are the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can find us at tuscanshed.com where you can where you can listen to uh, of course of course the movie game podcast which you're listening to right now, and 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 our and our four other podcasts that, that we have going right now. Um, one one of which one of which uh, as we said at the beginning of at the beginning of this episode, Geek Space Nine, starring the three of us, Sarah Ben and myself, um, about about the about the discovery and about the discovery and or rediscovery of Star Trek Deep Space Nine because the three of us hadn't never seen it before before starting this podcast and we are loving it so go so go listen to us uh we also we also have a feast for bros which is the game of thrones podcast though no though no new episodes have been recorded because because of course we're in between seasons on that so but but, but, but once the next season starts back up definitely definitely be on the lookout for that one we also have the save point Gamecast uh with with ben myself and jack where we talk about video games uh whether it be a specific video game or 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 or, or, or a general or general video game topic uh and then fi- and then finally we have animania where, where, a few, where a few of us talk about anime shows and and, and and anime films you uh uh you can you can find you can find any of these podcasts uh of, co- of course of course of course our website tuscanshed.com uh look for us on itunes you can look for us on facebook and where and where and wherever wherever those podcasts are posted please like and support us because we would very much love for you to do that. Also, uh, support us on, I believe, Patreon. Do we have a Do we have a Patreon? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. But I don't remember what the name is. I forget. I forget what it is too. I'll have to ask. I'll have to. Ask, we'll have to ask Jack and like and like post and we'll post a little blurb for this for for, the, for this episode. But but yes, for, but yes. As as Jack likes as Jack likes to say, for the price of a cup, for the price of a Starbucks cup of coffee, you can support us. Help us keep this going. We would very much love for you to do that. So that so that way so that way we can bring all of this wonderful content to you. So. So, at the end of the day, thank you very much for listening to Movie Game Podcast. This is Sarah, Ben, and Peter. We love you all. We hope you join us next week uh, when when we talk about Birth of a Nation. Goodbye, everyone.